welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Okay, you guys ready? Buckle up. We're getting straight into this, because I want to. we want to pray and impart for some people at the end. I've got a timer up there. Here we go. Awesome. You will all be very familiar with the Israelites and their captivity into the promised land, the 40 years in the desert. It's where we get all those great Bible stories from, isn't it? You know, who read about Moses and the bulrushes? You know, who read about him in Pharaoh's house? Who read about him when he bet some guy up? That wasn't a great moment. Who read about him when he parted the seas and, you know, there were plagues and that, yeah. Anybody know about that story? 470 odd year history there. Um, it's called the period of captivity, 430 years. And then, of course, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Interesting, if we look at the wilderness, the battles that they faced in the wilderness was that they got out there a couple of months into it. They have a fight with the Amalekites. They toast them. They smoke them. You know, that's the, so that's a win. And then they um, take on the Amalekites and the Canaanites and they get their butts kicked. So that's a loss. And then we have Edom. Battle of Edom, which they actually forfeit. They, they don't turn up for it. Uh, and then we have got um, Arid. It was another battle. That was kind of one apiece. So the season results for the Israelites as they went through the 40 years in the desert was a win, a loss, a forfeit, a loss, a win. And then they raise up this kind of this new, new young bunch um, and they're the ones that are going to take them into the promised land, and that's when we start to see the, the tide turn. And uh, I, think, I, I don't know how you say this. I think it's Sihon and Og um, were kind of the beginning of the new wave. of they were, the, they were the first battles of the new wave of young fellas um, coming through. Um, I, don't you love that? Oh, we, we took on Og. Yeah, it sounds like something out of a Marvel movie, doesn't it? Yeah, anyway, so I want to suggest this to you, is that the Israelites did not have a winner's mindset. 470 years of it not going well. They hadn't been in form. Couple of wins, couple of losses, but really being locked up in Egypt for all that time, I don't think that's going to give you an overly victorious mindset. And, you know, we've spoken about that at other times, so I don't want to get into that too much today, other than just to remind you, I don't think they had a winner's mindset. And I want to suggest, and I want to say this, and I want to be really blunt and direct, and I, I, I want to say I wonder sometimes, as the Church of God, after what has gone on in the last few decades, if we're a little bit like that, we kind of lost that winner's mindset. We're kind of like, yeah, we had a win there, but we had a loss there. And that battle, we just gave up on and we didn't even show up. I know through my times as pastoring where there was just legislation after legislation after legislation that was passed. And I remember turning up for the prostitution law reform and I went to the select committee and I spoke to it. And then for the other battles, I wrote letters to the select committee. And pretty much, you know, by the time I think we came to about the fourth or fifth battle, I don't know if I even showed up. I think it's good just to be aware of that. 
that that could possibly be how we're feeling a little bit, to take stock and just go, well, you know, it has been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a rough few, few decades. Been some wins, but there's been a fair amount of losses. The interesting thing with the Israelites, though, is that God always knew who they were. He always knew that they were winners when they went out to battle with him. And he never lost sight of that. They just lost sight of him. Now, I want us to jump. This is where the Bible gets exciting, I think. I want to put us into the, in the context of the enemies of the Israelites. And if I was an enemy of the Israelites, if I was one that was possessing the promised land, I, I don't think I'd be all that concerned. Looking on them, 470 years of seeing what's how, how, how it's gone. You know, if they came at me and I was in the enemy context, I'd think I'd, be, I'd have a go. I have a go because 50% of the time you're going to come off with a win. And half the time God's going to be against them as well, it would appear. Remember, it's Old Testament. You know, so I'd be, if I was in the enemy's context, I would be ready to have a go. And so it's very interesting when we read the account of the spies going into the promised land the second time, is that the city walls were open. So you've got to remember that the Israelites are now camped over on the other side of this big flooded river, but the city walls are open. The spies go in through the city walls. They just close them up at night, and then they have to get lowered out. So I think that's good. to They, they were not in great fear about these guys over on the other side. Now, Rahab tells us that there was a little bit of concern, absolutely. But had a few wow moments, you know, seas parting. You know, that's got my attention. I think the church in the last few decades, we've had a few wow moments that's got the world's attention, but, you know, on they've carried. And so I will use an aviation term um, here, is that I think they were, in the enemy's context, they were kind of trotting along, Fat, dumb, and happy. That's the term we'd use for a pilot if they're just kind of, you know, enjoying the blue skies, not really concentrating. They're just sitting up there in the sky, fat, dumb, and happy. And I think that was a, probably a little bit like how, the, um, how the, those in the promised land were feeling. The, the promised land was bustling with industry. There was a lot going on. They had big grapes. I don't know if you picked that up from this. Well, they have really big grapes. So, uh, yeah, so industry was going on. They're moving amongst, trading amongst the cities um, and not terribly worried about these guys over the other side. What's fascinating is post-crossing of the Jordan, isn't it? It's the Jordan. Post-crossing of the Jordan. Remember, that was a flooded. That was flooded. That, that was, I, don't know, I can't remember how wide it was, but it, this is a big deal. Post-crossing, we read that Jericho's walls were shut up. Nobody was coming in and going. They'd just seen a wow moment. And then uh, Joshua gets this great battle plan. I think we should um, tell was it Volodymyr Zelensky this great battle plan. He could go and use it on the Kremlin. All you have to do is you walk around six times, but once every day, six days, and, and just say nothing. You imagine, you know, sitting in his office and someone came with that plan. You'd be like, ah, there's the door. Use it quickly. Yeah. And then they go around on the seventh day, make a lot of noise, and the walls fall down. Let's not spend a lot of time on there. But I want to pick up on as they go into the promised land now. And I know I've spoken about this before. 
But before I do that, I just want to pose that question to you. And I want us to really think about that. Church, do we have a winning mindset? Do we have a mindset that we could seriously take some ground? Do we have a mindset that perhaps God is opening up a promised land to us, but we've been so down in the trenches that we actually haven't looked up and seen what is going on in the bigger picture of the heavenly realms? You know, the sons of Issachar were commended for understanding the times and showing their people what they should do in those times. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for not discerning the times. Paul admonished us to know the times. And I think we get a little bit confused because we don't know the time or the hour that Jesus will return. But Jesus and Paul were both saying, but understand the season. Understand what is going on in the world. There will be wars and there will be rumors of wars and there will be earthquakes and there will be plagues and there will be good being called evil and evil being called good. I don't know if you've looked up lately. Might be a little bit of that going on. And how are we actively pursuing that actually we could be victorious? Number, number two question I want to pose to you is, do you think we could be a part of a major reformation? That escalated quickly. But it's something that uh, I didn't speak for about four months. Um, I've spoken the last two Sundays. Um, and, uh, it's, and I think it largely was because God just wanted something to brew, something fresh, something new in me. Um, and then he said, right, and, I, and I'm ready to say this now. I don't, I don't say words lightly, so I'm ready to say this now, is that I, wanna, I want to bring this to your attention. I want to suggest to you. I'm not saying this is 100% what's going on. I want to suggest, because you're clever people. You can go to God yourselves, and you can work it out. But if we look in history, pretty significant things occur around about every 500 years. If we jump back to around about 1517, anyone know what happened there that was pretty big? The time of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, 1517 was when he banged that thing uh, on the door. Um, And that led to the split from Catholicism and the Pentecostal movement, um, which is has grown out uh, from there. So incredible move of God has come out of that moment. If we jump back to around 988-1077, there was the East-West Schism, which was the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox Church parting their ways. And that's when they talk about actually the Christianization of Russia. So it was, it was pretty significant on the global standard um, for what God was doing. If we go back to around about the 500s, we have got Gregory the Great who sent out St. Augustine. Anybody know where he sent him to? Anglo-Saxon England. Can you think of a time when England wasn't known as a Christian nation with its cathedral? Well, Pre-500, it wasn't. So 500 through to the next 500 years was the Christianization, effectively, of England. So that's around about 500. The one before that, um, 
some a pretty significant guy. He changed the whole dating system. You guys, you probably heard of him. And then if we go back 500 BC, you've got the whole area of Nebuchadnezzar, which um, is fascinating, and the impact of that on the globe as well. There's other times in the Bible where, what did we just talk about? The Israelites' captivity, how long was that period? 470 years. It's around that 500-year mark. You know the genealogies in Matthew at the beginning that we all kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, there's David, yeah, yeah, cool, awesome, and we move on? Well, it talks in there about there being three lots of 14 generations. The first lot of 14 generations was around about 1,058 years. That's not a roundabout. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and then the second generation was around about 430 years. And you go, ah, that's not 500. Yeah, but the third lot were 580 years. So there's this pattern of 500s that we find in the Bible. I don't know about you, but do you think around about the year 2000, plus or minus 70 years, we should be expecting something pretty phenomenal to happen? Anybody just going to go, oh, hey, that could be exciting. Hey, you mean what? The tide could turn? We can see a shift. I'm just suggesting. And I'm just suggesting that this is uh, what's going on. I, I suspect that we're actually in an apostolic reformation. Now, for three decades now, as a pastor, I have been interested in the apostolic reformation. And, you know, I think probably people said, oh, we're in this, you know, probably two decades. There was a lot of momentum around it. And then it kind of went a little bit quiet. Um, and so, you know, what, is, what essentially is the apostle in the body of Christ? Well, there's a number of things. But essentially, the apostle carries a governmental authority for leadership, they, 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 it, it, they are somebody who can call things into order. They are somebody who gets people from diversities working together to make something awesome happen. And I, I think it's fascinating. You know, we'll say that someone is an evangelist. We'll say that someone is a pastor. We'll say that someone's a teacher. We'll say someone's a prophet, but we're kind of edgy when we talk about saying that person's an apostle. And for those of us you know, that have been around pastoral circles, we'll know that there's been some interesting things go on where all of a sudden someone has been called apostle such and such. Um, and that's always intriguing. So I don't think that we're really, putting my hand up, I don't think, the leaders in the body of Christ have necessarily really got their head around this. But I think it's coming. If you read 1 Corinthians 4, it doesn't paint the picture of an apostle as being the person who is up there with the 59 churches and the jet to get around. If you've got 59 churches and a jet helps you, be my guests. I will come and fly the plane for you. I'm not, I'm not taking a dig at that. 
but I'm just taking a dig at that I think we've looked at apostles as being those people that are right up there, very visible, whereas Paul said, I am the least. I am the last in the parade. I am at the back, beaten. 1 Corinthians 4, fascinating. Because they are the person who goes in and they want to see other people be greater. They want to help get people working together and then stand aside and let it happen. And I think that's an incredibly powerful thing because if God is doing that, I think we've also had a very narrow window of what an apostle is, that they have to be a leader of a church. But I actually think there are apostles that are supposed to be rising up in education. I think there are apostles that are supposed to be rising up in the healthcare system. In the arts and the media, please, someone go and run Disney. In the business and in the marketplace. Because that's where we are going to see transformation. As Simon spoke about a few weeks back about the the seven mountains, the seven spheres of influence. And I don't see that we necessarily need to be as Christians right at the top. We need to be in the place of influence. It takes cities and it takes nations. You know, we've just been working on a, on a really cool project um, in that uh, just with a, a couple of entrepreneurs in the, in the church, one's in our church, one's in another church, and we've just got together and we, we, we want to create an entrepreneur hub. So a place where people that have got cool ideas, they are looking for social impact, whether that be in the city or nationally or globally. And, uh, and they're of the same ethos as us, but they want to they do significant things in the world. And so we're, we've been looking at a building to lease, um, and so you, we have a lease document for that. It's going to be a really cool industrial look, and we're going to have the new Bokiboo kitchen in there, and we're also, you know, and then there's going to be workspaces and stuff like this. So a place where entrepreneurs with that same ethos can come together, and they can rub off each other, and sometimes we can sandpaper, and sometimes we can polish but entrepreneurs need each other. And what's blowing me away as a few of us as business people have gone, well, let's go and let's do this, is now that there's been a space that has been made, we've made a way and a space opening up for the pregnancy support centre to move in. And then there's a, another guy in C3 Church who has a gym. Some of you will know him, um, but he has a gym and he has people come and uh, you know, be a part of that gym. And he, he, he gets people that, are, that have come from a troubled life, and he puts them in there where they're around really positive role models and influences. And it just happened by just going, hey, a few of us talking and saying, what could we do that's significant for this city? If, if you want to be a part of it, come and talk to me some more. But I suspect that that is more and more what we are going to see happening. As we, and so that's just in a business sense, but in the health sense, What's Les doing? What are you doing, Les? What are you doing? What are you doing, Jono? I was blown away when I heard those testimonies earlier this year from, uh, from you guys. It's, it's fantastic. What's health, happening in the health arena and the childcare arena? What's, what's going on, people? Be looking for what God is doing because he's repositioning. He's, he's big time repositioning at the moment. So... I think we're in for a time of, of significant wealth transfer. I think we're in a time where we're going to see more of the Aysbury-type revivals, where they're going to be intimate, they're going to be personal, and they're not going to be turned into a circus. 
And I think we're, I, oh, I think we're in for one here. Whoa. I think we're in for one here. And there's also going to be a power transfer. So again, not a taking over, but a moving into those positions of influence. The time is shifting. God is on the move. Aslan is in on the move. So as I came into this year, I always take time to go, God, what is going on this year? And so, um, you know, he, he, like 1st of January, he woke me up about 5 o'clock and he said, let's talk. And, and he hasn't stopped talking since, which is great because last year he wasn't saying a heck of a lot. So he's very chatty. God's very chatty this year. He's very chatty. Uh, but he was saying, Chris, we are, we're coming into our finest hour. But he said, there's also going to be incredible chaos. And I'm thinking, how does that work, Lord? And so I want today, in just the last 10 minutes that I've got, is I want to give you some things to equip you because there is going to continue to be chaos in the world. I, I, I say that, it's going to happen. Not because I prophesy that and want that. I would much rather peaceful times. Well, I don't know if you caught wind of something that went on yesterday. I'm just like, oh, there's more chaos. I sat on the Cook Strait Ferry the other night and our ferry broke down. The Blue Bridge Ferry was over the other side of Wellington Harbour and it had broken down as well. I'm just going, it's just chaos. It's just chaos keeps ensuing. So how do we as believers walk through chaos? Well, this is what God started to show me. He said, Chris... When the Israelites went into the promised land, where was the chaos? He said the chaos broke out in the enemies of God. It's very interesting to read the promised land, and I've, I've preached on that, is you know, they go in, they, you know, full of excitement, they get, they get told off a couple of times. But then after that, it's just over five years, it's just battle after battle after battle. We don't read much about it. They take the territory, they plunder, they take what God has stored up for them. We get right through to that last battle, which is Caleb saying, now give me that mountain. That was where the giants were. I preached, it was the first message I preached here at Renew. And we go, well, here comes the ultimate battle, and it doesn't even make it into the book. Why? Because the Israelites learned how to stay in the raft and to go in and take enemy territory and allow the chaos to stay in the enemy's camps. Church, we need to learn how to keep the chaos in the enemy's camp. And he wants to show us how to do that. We've talked a lot about identity, but understand your identity. If you think you are an apostle, you don't have to run around and tell people. You just go, okay, well, I'm going to start to operate with that grace and that gift, similar to how an evangelist would. But it's important to get your identity right. Jesus was big on identity. Ever notice with Simon, Peter? Changed his name to Peter. Every time he was acting in the old self, he called him Simon. Every time he was acting in the new self, he called him Peter. God is looking for us to transition and to live in our New identity. And that's key for staying in the raft. It also helps you to stay in your lane because there are certain things an apostle is grace for that an evangelist is not, and there are certain things an evangelist is grace for that an apostle is not. And so when you stay in your lane, 
that's a good place to be because it keeps you in the raft. The second thing is he is wanting a deeper intimacy with us. Man, I, I am enjoying God like I have never, ever enjoyed him. It's just kind of like glory to glory. And this year, I'm just enjoying him in a whole new way. Helps that he's a bit more chatty this year. But I suspect that was probably something to do with me rather than him last year. Yeah, intimacy is one of those things. Oh, I'm sick of hearing about intimacy. How do I get more intimate? Oh, I'll tell you what, this is how you get more intimate with God, is you just chill out and you say, hey, let's hang out. Let's light some scented candles, you know? <laughs> My wife loves scented candles. She loves it when we hang out with scented candles. I don't, but she does. Go to the places that he enjoys. And before you know it, there's <laughs> some benefits with being where the scented candles are. <laughs> Feel free to edit that part of the podcast. <laughs> so that's number two. Number three, pick your battles. Pick your battles. Do you know what? When you read the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy? Mm, that one, somewhere around there, somewhere in the Bible, um, and they're going into the promised land, there are four cities that God tiles them to walk past. Says, that is not your battle, that is not your battle, that is not your battle, that is not your battle. So if we are going to take territory, we need to be super sure that we're taking on the battles that God is telling us to and not the other battles. I, I had a very interesting situation the other day. Uh, we're renting a property at the moment, and, and we, got, we got a nasty letter from uh, the property manager. I wasn't happy about it. Uh, it was bullying. Um, and I knew I had to deal with it. I knew this was a battle I had to take on. Believe it or not, I actually like to run from battles. Believe it or not. Uh, I knew I had to take this on. I was, un- I was annoyed, so I thought, before I reply, I'll go for a walk. And so I went for a walk, and I'm walking around area by our place. And, um, and the next thing, I, there's just this young fella takes exception to me. And so, you know, being a youth worker, you know, from way back, I thought I'd p- pull the youth worker charms out and see if I can help this young fella. Well, the, the, I, there was no reasoning with this young fella. And before I knew it, there were 10 others that had come out of the bushes. I don't know where they came up. And I'm just like going, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Here we go. And so I tried to reason. I was like, this is not working. I just walked, walked around past the eyesight, which is interestingly because we're, there's a cool cafe in the eyesight that we're, we're, we're kind of wondering about, you know, moving and doing something with, well, not moving, but doing something additional. So I've been around that area praying a lot. And anyway, I was walking, and this, these guys are heating up behind me, and the next thing I get a stick in the back, and I'm just like, okay, listen, I get my phone up, so it looks like I'm talking to the police. Yeah, that didn't have anything. So in the end, I turn around, and I had a bit more of a chat, and wow, they ripped my phone out of my hand and all sorts of stuff going on. I'm like, whew. Okay, finally got onto the police and carried on walking, and I got I rocks being thrown at me, and then I ended up around on the bridge up here, and... Uh, and, um, and, you know, they surrounded, my, surrounded me by this point. I wasn't terribly worried. You know, when you go into MAF, you're trained how to handle hostage situations and stuff like that. So I wasn't, you know, I thought, I could I'd, I'd take you guys on, you know. <laughs> Sometimes strength is not using your strength. And, um, and, but I, 
you know, I was mildly concerned. And, and God said, Chris, it's all right, I got you back. I'm like, oh, that's good. And so this young fellow, he's just putting the boot into me. I was like, oh, this is Anyway, some other guy saw what was going on and he pulled over and I jumped in the car and took off and the police went and dealt with it. And apparently, uh, you know, how did the police officer said, we put them back into the custody of their parents. And, it's, and so, you know, anyway, I'm sitting at home that night and I'm still a bit, I'm a bit wound up about what's going on. I'm like, I went home to Ruth and I said, not interested in that, that site. I'm not, I'm not going there, not if we're getting that sort of nonsense. And the Holy Spirit went, oh, really? You, you don't think you've been intimidated by something here? <laughs> so, so anyway, it's, mid, it's, it's midnight. And he says, go for a walk through that area. I was like, yeah, that's a great move. <laughs> so anyway... I walked out down a driveway, slipped over, grazed myself up, which was part of why I was ticked off with the property manager, and just went, I, I just think I should stay home today, God. <laughs> but anyway, went, went round there for a walk, and as I walked through, there, I, I was praying big time. <laughs> there was a little bit of concern now. But I knew as I walked around there, I had broken something. This was a battle God said, Chris... Don't be intimidated by the enemy. You go in and you remind that territory of who you are and whose you are. Um, And so we are going to find a few sticks and stones being thrown at us, church. I hope not in the physical sense. And you've got to remember that's my story. Be safe. We are going to find that happening a little bit. And we've got to listen, is this a battle you want me to take on God or is this a battle you want me to leave? There are some things that are brewing up at the moment in terms of chaos um, that we actually do have to speak into. We do have to speak. But there are also some things that we're going to go, we're not graced to do that. The situation on Facebook a couple of months back, and I spoke into it. I thought, no, I need to speak into this. And Bob McCroskey contacted me from Family First, and he said, Thanks, thank you for just standing up for, for, for him, actually, in this situation. And I said, mate, I said, that's fine. There's normally not a grace on me, but I felt it at that time. I, I'm not, I, there's not a big grace on me for the political arena, but there are people that have a grace on them for the political arena. And so I would say to you, if that is you, then you go to battle with God because he wants to take territory. If you're graced as an evangelist, then go to battle in that way. If you're graced, with an apost- if you're graced as an apostle, again, you don't have to shout it from the rooftops, but just operate in it. If you're graced as a teacher, then be the best darn teacher you can be. If you're in healthcare, how did you put it, Jono? When the blue alarm going, Jono's praying. Be that person. Be that person. And let's push back the intimidation of the enemy and take on the battles that God wants us to take on. Because you know when you take on a battle and you win it, there is plunder. And it is good. And the church, and God wants to deliver plunder into our hands as the body of Christ at this time. Keep the chaos in the enemy's camp. Do you know what happens if you go into an area where there is chaos and you are not graced for it? It's kind of like you touch it and it comes straight up and you find yourself enveloped in the chaos. 
allow the chaos to stay in the enemy's camp. There's a few battles recently. I feel like I've been on a bunch of battles recently. And there's a few battles I've taken on and everyone I've walked into with God, we've won. But there's a couple of times where I've gone, oh yeah, I got, I got a wee reminder there. There wasn't a grace on that one. Okay, next time I will be wiser. Um, and that's good as well. So anyway, there we go. Was that helpful? Number one, do we have a winner's mindset? Could we be in a 500-year reformation? Are we inquiring as the sons of Issachar did and looking to understand this time and the season? Really, if there's nothing else you take away from this message, please take that away. What is God saying to you about this season? Because right now you could be on the verge of taking some serious territory, but if we're not tuned in, we're going to miss it. And riding the chaos, allow him to clarify again, who are you? What is your grace on your life? And be aware too that graces change at times as well. Graces come and go at times as well. Allow him to lead you in that intimate place. Find the place with him that is your scented candle spot. Find that place where where he wants you to come because there are treasures there. And that's a place where he can talk to you. I've got all, all manner of places where I go for a walk. And, I, and, and there's certain places I'll go depending on what I'm facing. Find that place and allow him to show you that place as well. Allow him to pick your battles. And allow him to show you how to keep the chaos in the enemy's camp. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.